You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast uh, with your host, Jeff Putnam, also known as Rugged Legacy. Today I am with Nick Lowry, a guy I've known for almost a year now, and it feels like I've known him forever. <laughs> guy's got <laughs> the guy's got a hell of a story. Uh, he fought his way up, and he's not even thirty yet. He's already a business owner and an accomplished mountaineer. So, Nick, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining. Jeff, thanks for having me, dude. Not even thirty yet, man. I'm not even twenty-five yet. <laughs> I was trying to 24. give you some credit. <laughs> <laughs> 24 you're a business owner mm-hmm. uh, mountaineer living it up man well thanks dude so a lot of people already know you but plenty don't so i guess we'll start off with uh hearing a little bit about you man where are you from yeah so from st louis i moved out to colorado um when i was 18 i think for freshman year of college stayed out here after i graduated and just never want to leave spend like you said as much time as I can up in the mountains and working on the company now is that something you always wanted to do uh head out to where the mountains were is that something you kind of always felt maybe calling you you know it's funny I don't I don't really know um I always grew up so I was in boy scouts up until freshman year of high school and so I started probably fifth grade or something and I loved camping, but I wound up like, that's why I got into it. I loved the camping, the hiking, the high adventure parts, like loved it. But my troop kind of turned into a merit badge factory where all we were focused on was merit badges and churning out Eagle Scouts and all of that. And it just seemed like it got away from the like true nature of what the Boy Scouts was originally supposed to be. So I loved that. And then kind of got out of camping for a while and by I say camping but I really just mean outdoors stuff in general um in St. Louis there's no real good snowboarding either so did a little bit of it while I could all that but no real like big mountain things until I got to Colorado and when I came out here for the first time I was in it was a summer trip when I was in probably early high school didn't come out again until a recruiting trip my senior year when I was actually talking to the lacrosse coach out here at CU Boulder. And man, I'll never forget like that first moment driving out to Boulder from Denver. And it's only like a half hour drive, but the, but Boulder's like in the foothills of the mountains and you come over the top of this little ridge and all of Boulder Valley is spread up beneath you, the flat irons. And it's just beautiful. And we came over that corner. <laughs> my dad was pissed because he knew immediately this is where I was going and there was nothing he could do about it I was like I was (laughs) moving away and I was never coming back and uh and that's pretty much exactly what happened so I could say yeah it's kind of always been there but more it's been a building kind of thing for a while yeah it kind of sounds like it was more of a a love at first sight kind of thing like like Mm -hmm. you said you come around that corner and you saw all of Boulder Valley you know, I've never been out there, so I couldn't tell you what it looks like, but I've seen a lot of the pictures you've put up on your social media. Yeah, it dude, is, it, it's gorgeous. It is. And, and beyond that, like if you just Google it, just for all, everyone listening, just Google Boulder, like, and you'll see the view. It's the first one that'll pop up on gold on uh, Google. 
Yeah, and you said you uh, you played lacrosse. What got you into lacrosse? Was that something you did when you were younger, or is that something you kind of did as you got into high school and then wanted to do it in college, or you just found something you were good at? A little bit of everything, man. So I started soccer when I was really, really little, and I always loved being goalie, so I kept with that for a while. I played baseball till like, fifth or sixth grade, um, quit baseball, because I lived in, in – um, California, just outside of LA for all of elementary school. So when I moved back for middle school, I stopped baseball then. So I had a spring season that was empty when I got to high school. I was just playing, I played soccer my freshman year of high school and I was soccer goalie. And one of my teammates was like, yo, the lacrosse team needs a goalie. I was like, what the fuck is lacrosse? And he goes, just, just come, just play. I was like, okay. Did not know what I was getting into. Had no idea how violent of a sport it is and how much fun it was going to be and how much hell I was going to put my body through. Um, but absolutely fell in love with it, man. Um, from my first game until the day I walked off the field, I loved it. And got me to, got, got me to college, played in college for – two and a half seasons, like two spring, cause it was spring season. So I played for two spring seasons and then the next fall ball, like training season and kind of in the middle of fall, I just all of a sudden didn't really want to do it anymore. And I think a lot of that came from realizing that after my college career was over, there was nothing I could do. So like, I wasn't, I didn't want to make a career out of coaching lacrosse. I knew I, I could do it. Like if I wanted to coach a high school team or maybe a college team later on down the line, I could, but I didn't want to make a career out of lacrosse. Um, and there's no real money to be made in professional. And to be frank, wasn't good enough to be a professional lacrosse player. I was playing club at CU, right? Like we play, we practice six, seven days a week, won the club national championship, which is no fucking small feat in the lacrosse world. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like D one is obviously the best NCAA division one. And then division three is actually a higher competition level than division two and the club scene, like the top five to 10 club teams are right on par with some like mid-range division three teams and even better than some lower end division one teams. Um, so we took it seriously. We played our hearts out, won the national championship. I was actually a red shirt on that team. Um, but it taught me a whole bunch about how to win and what it really looks like to be on the, uh, to be on the team that wins the last game of the season. Yeah, I can imagine how that felt. Um... I played baseball in high school, but that was pretty much about it. Uh, mm. I was in no way on the same kind of level as I was ever going to actually go anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. But it sounds to me like you've always had this kind of a, an aggressive type spirit. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of the stuff you put on social media, man. Uh, you're, uh, you just won a gold medal uh, in a jujitsu tournament, right? Yeah. Yesterday. Uh, congratulations, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah, from what I've uh, been able to see and the people that already follow you, uh, fighting's kind of become a really big part of your life on top of owning your own business and mm -hmm. on top of being a, you know, an avid mountaineer. So what do you do to fit all of that into one capsule where you're able to do all of those things? Because none of those things are easy. So, I mean, it's got to be one of those things where you start to get kind of burned out and tired and physically beat up. I know you had an injury a while back. Uh, you took a kick to the face. <laughs> yeah. 
and that kind of out right <laughs> hell of an and injury that, yeah that kind of uh slowed you down a little bit but i mean it looks like you're coming back yeah and what kind of uh what kind of parallels are you seeing between like the the mentality you've developed as a fighter and a mountaineer and a business owner i mean cuz those three things while they seem kind of unrelated to me they're more of the same because you're, you're climbing a mountain either way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to say. So first off, you keep calling me a mountaineer. Um, I would say aspiring mountaineer would be a better word. I've gone on a lot of really long and hard hikes. I have, gotcha. I have not yet. I just bought all my gear a couple of weeks ago. I haven't had the chance to get up there and do it yet. I have not done any Alpine climbs or anything that's like totally out of this world insane yet. That's the goal though. That's 110% the goal. And I'm like totally focused on that. Um, but back to your question, it's all the same. There's that, that old, like, uh, I think it was Sun Tzu quote. It was like, he who sees the way sees it in all things. And there's so much, so much there. It's so accurate. So I just finished reading this book called the rise of Superman. It's by Stephen Kotler. And Superman is used in the Nietzsche sense, right? The Ubermensch. And it's, it's all about using the flow state or as Maslow called it, your peak experiences to find better ways to do things, new, new innovative ways and to push what he refers to as ultimate human performance. And it's considered ultimate because if you fuck up, you die. So like big wave surfing, free solo rock climbing, high alpine mountaineering, um, base jumping, ski basing, right? Like this crazy shit people are doing where it's like, yeah, if you mess this up, you're dead. Um, but because of that, because the stakes are so high, it forces you into that mystic flow state, right? Where everything is just dialed in and your body's operating at levels that it normally can't. It, because, because you shouldn't operate at that level because you're gonna hurt yourself. But if the other consequence is death, your body's going to let you hurt yourself, right? There's a, there's a story of a dude who's, who passed away now. He was a free solo climber, Dean Potter. Um, and he was base jumping in the cellar of swallows, which is this huge cave in New Mexico. It's basically like a 1200 foot vertical drop, like a big pit. Um, and he was base jumping. And when he pulled his parachute, half of it was wet. So it didn't inflate correctly. And and then it kind of enveloped around him while he's falling at terminal velocity down this massive pit. And right before the um, parachute envelops him, he catches a glimpse of the rope out of the corner of his eye. And cause they just had a rope hanging down to the bottom that they could use to like get back up. And he literally terminal velocity going like, I don't even remember. I don't know what that number is. I think it's over a hundred, 120 miles an hour. I think. I think it's somewhere around 137 miles an hour. Whatever it is, it's insane. Um, this crazy bastard grabs the rope barehanded and stops his fall. Jeez. Like a little climbing rope. He burnt the shit out of his hands. He tore every, he tore every muscle in his abdomen. He blew out his rectum. Um, he literally tore his body to shreds, but he saved his life. Like, you should not be able to do that. Like that should not be physically possible, but you go to the state when the stakes are so high that you have to, your body's like, it doesn't matter. We're doing it. And so point of that story is all of the things that I do, right? Jiu-jitsu, 
the rock climbing, mountaineering, hiking, the business, um, which for those listening who don't know, we haven't really touched on it yet. I own a coffee roasting company out of Denver, Colorado. We, we, my business partner and I started the company. It's Ground Shark Coffee. We started it about a year and a half ago now, August of 2018. Um, but anyway, that along with everything else, it's all in my mind the same. And it's a pursuit of that flow state. It's you find that thing that just like, it takes you to that next level, right? And we've all found it before a time or two. We find it more often as kids, actually, um, because of the way your brain develops. It's easier to get into that state when you're younger. Um, but at the highest level, like the more your life is in danger, the more likely you are to find that state, right? And so that's why these guys that we all refer to as adrenaline junkies just push the envelope of human performance so far, so fast. Um, they're not adrenaline junkies, junkies, they're flow junkies, right? They're looking for that state where you're just in and you feel alive and entrepreneurship gives me that. And rock climbing gives me that. And jujitsu gives me that. Right. Cause like jujitsu, especially, cause it's like, if I'm not present in the moment, I'm getting choked out. Right. Or I'm getting otherwise submitted or fucked up or hurt or whatever it is. Like I have to be present. I have no choice. So all this stuff is really like, enveloped into a find the hardest shit I can do and do it B you do it enough and you do it at the right level of, of, uh, not competition. What's the word? Um, intensity, intensity, uh, challenge, like the right challenge, challenge, the right challenge level where it's just a little bit more than you can handle. That's perfect. Where it's, if it's so far above what you can handle, you panic. But if it's just a little bit more than you could normally handle, that's when your body like takes over and that like response kicks in and you just, you feel alive, man. Yeah. There's an old saying, it says you never feel more alive than when you almost die. Yeah. So I, I kind of understand what you're saying. Now, would you say that you're addicted to those things? Like you're, are you one of those guys? Are you a flow junkie? I would say I, Kind of, you know, I, so this goes back to lacrosse. Like when I was playing lacrosse, I was, I was in probably the top, I don't know. I want to say top 10% of lacrosse players, right? Uh, at least goalies in the nation. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe it was 20, 25, whatever. I was at the top level, right? Like I was good enough to be a member of a national championship team. Right. So I'm seeing right. high level shit. Um, Knowing it that well, knowing, having that like level of mastery of over that, that most people never get. Um, I saw a lot of people say things like lacrosse saved my life, or it's referred to, it was referred to by the native Americans who developed it as uh, the creator's game or the medicine game because of the, the nature of it. And I think hockey players will agree with this. The nature of hockey and the nature of lacrosse kind of lend itself to that flow state because it's violent, it's create and it, it's violent and it's creative, creative in ways that other sports aren't like soccer is a very creative sport, but it's not nearly as violent as lacrosse or hockey. Um, football is a very violent sport, but I wouldn't say it's as creative as lacrosse or hockey. Um, football is very two dimensional, right? You're going down the field, whereas lacrosse, you're going down and back up and passing the ball around the same way in hockey, you're going down and up the ice and passing the puck around. Um, it's more dynamic and it's faster paced and there's not breaks between the plays. So it lends itself to that flow state. And I think that's why it got that moniker, the medicine game. Well, then you go to jujitsu 
and you see the same, you hear the same things. You hear the same people, they're different people, but you hear the same sentences. It's just jujitsu instead of lacrosse. It's jujitsu saved my life. And I love this. I love this game. I love the sport. I love this art because it's, it's so deep and it's so pure, but like the same people were saying the same thing about lacrosse, right? Well, then you get into rock climbing and people are saying the same thing. Then you get into like the entrepreneurship world and people are saying the same thing, like long distance hiking, same thing, snowboarding. Same, it's all the same. It's all that, like you get to that higher level of mastery over something because of that flow state, because of that, like high you get when you're just crushing it at whatever it is. Um, so would you say I'm a flow junkie? Yeah, a little bit. Cause I, I I'm following that, right? Like when people ask like, why'd you start the business? It's, I don't really have a good answer because the answer is because it, it was next. Like what felt right. Like I didn't feel fulfilled at my day job because I couldn't be creative enough because the stakes weren't high enough because I wasn't running on my own, like by my own power. I was on someone else's schedule doing someone else's thing. Like I needed something to make me feel alive. Right. Yeah. You see, that kind of brings me back to what you were saying about the boy scouts. Now, from everything you've said, to me, it sounds like you're always looking for that next level, but at the same time, you want it to be pure. And you got out of Boy Scouts uh, because it became a merit badge factory. Yeah. They, weren't, they, were, they were more focused on how many merit badges or how many Eagle Scouts they could turn out versus the purity of being out there. Is that kind of thing... I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that what's driving you to find something pure and intentional versus kind of being swept up in the current of whatever's going to drag you along? Yeah, dude, that's what I haven't even thought of that. That's a really good way to put it. Um, that's definitely it, you know, cause there's, there's definitely a bit of like finding the, like the road less traveled, right? It's like, what's something I can do that no one else has done, right? Like there's gotta be a mountain out there. I don't, I mean, there's a ton, but like, there's got to be mountains out there that I can climb that no one else has climbed yet. There's got to be lines that I can get up that no one else has. Like, I wonder if there's a new way to climb this rock. I wonder if there's a new way to get up this and like, there's a new way to get down it. Right. Like this, this summer or this winter, um, hopefully here in the next two weeks, I'll do my first, uh, um, cool or ascent and then snowboard back down. So like a cool or is basically like a big chute that runs up the side of a mountain and climbing up those is, pretty rad and you do it a lot at high altitude high altitudes i just haven't like had the chance or the gear to do one yet and i finally have it all so i'm gonna go up one and then snowboard right back down it and like that that's like a new thing for me it's like i haven't done that yet and like if i was i mean 50 years ago all this shit is brand new right no one's done any of this shit but now it's all been done so you have to push the envelope further and further and harder and more more extreme and more insane and like one more flip or one more rotation. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's, it's just creativity that drives all of it. So would you say that that is what drove you from the time you dropped out of the boy Scouts because it was a little merit badge factory to finding the flow state as a goalie in lacrosse, to finding the flow state going up a mountain, to finding the flow state on the mats in jujitsu. How did you get to the point where you say, well, now I have to start my own company because that is completely kind of left field, uh, at least to some 
of these kind of extreme things that you're doing. You know, you go from, you know, being this guy who's basically a 23 year old Indiana Jones, you know, just totally <laughs> killing it. You know, you're just totally killing it out there and you're doing everything possible. You're, you know, basically like an apex predator out there. And all of a sudden you, my deck, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then you turn around and you go, I want to start a coffee company. Like, how did you come to the, what, I, I don't, I don't understand the, uh, the connection to how you said, I'm going to sell coffee. Dude, we thought it'd be fun. It's literally that simple. Um, we, my business partner and I were getting lunch one day. He's been in the culinary industry for like 20 years. We were getting lunch one day. And he was like, man, I can make great food. I just have no idea how to sell it. No idea how to run money or take care of my money or anything like that. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm okay with people. I'm okay with money. I can figure out how to get good with both. Let's go. What do you want to do? And he was like, well, I do a lot of this and that, and whatever. And I was like, you know, coffee would be probably pretty cool. And he goes, yeah, I'll check it out. Three days later, he texts me. He goes, bro, I watched so many YouTube videos about how to roast coffee. Let's do it. I'm like, cool, done, let's go. It was, it was it. Like, that's it. Like, You can use hey, YouTube for everything. So YouTube, dude, I know. Basically, YouTube was the founder of Ground Shark Coffee. You're just taking Pretty all the much. credit. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this company fueled by YouTube. Um, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess to some it's out of left field, but to me it's the natural progression of events. Okay. You know, I, you know, when I see somebody like you doing the things that you were doing and the way you came up being incredibly hyper aggressive and just pushing that envelope with what we were just talking about, I would think the ideal job for you would be getting as much GoPro footage as you could going down the side of a mountain at terminal velocity. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I'm always hunting like the bigger line or anything like that, but it's not, it's never been something that I've seen myself being good enough at to make a living out of, you know, I've, I've never wanted to make a living out of athletics in any way, anyway. Um, and I think that goes back to the purity of it. Um, if you're like, we'll take it to the extreme example. Cause right. Cause like I can, I can, res I can make my way down the blacks and the double blacks at the resort, but I'm by no means like shredding my way down like crazy slope, sending it off 40, 50 foot cliffs. Like I'm not by any means top level snowboarder. I know enough that I can get my way down damn near anything that you can get to, but I'm not really captain and say no. Um, <laughs> so I never wanted to make a living out of athletics in that sense, because on one hand, you're back, you're back in the grind. Like you're back working for someone else. If, if you're an athlete, you're an employee, right? Especially if you're on a team, like if you're a, like you're a professional football player. Yeah. You're a professional football player, but you're still employed by the owner of that team and your life is still dictated by your coaches. And that's fine because you're part of a bigger group that's all doing it together for a greater goal. And you're going to do something and you might do something really, really cool and historic with that. But it's also a little bit masturbatory. And I say that as someone who's been there. Um, and I didn't really think about that until I got into combat sports. And this might ruffle some feathers out there. But I really think that most team sports, most sports that aren't 
combat sports are really a um what's the word like a simulation of war like a simulation of fighting you know and i mean if you're out there on the field like don't get me wrong i know firsthand how fucking intense it is and how good it feels and how much fun it is and just how much fulfillment there is there don't get me wrong. i'm not by any means downplaying that but i think that we as a culture get obsessed with sports even combat sports like we get obsessed with sports because it makes us feel more like a badass right and we tell our friends about the cool shit we did in high school and in college and all of that because it makes us feel young again. It gives us that like, we have like we remember that those times we were in that state. We remember that time where we threw the game winning touchdown or caught the game winning touchdown or made the game saving play or whatever it was. Like there's all of that there in that team sport atmosphere where you feel fully alive and fully engaged in the moment, but it's also like when you think of people putting up career defining games, right? Like when Wilt put up a hundred points, right? Or um, if you're a baseball fan, David Freese, game six of the 2011 world series. I only know that that well, cause I was a Cardinals fan, still am. And David Freese went to my high school. So like, that was a big deal for us that he put the St. Louis Cardinals on his back, carried them to the end of that game. Like, that, without a doubt, he was so deep in the flow state and operating at this ungodly level that we haven't seen from him before or since. And that's a career-defining game. But you can only find that fleeting moments in those sports. When you're in the combat sports arena or when you're in the, um, like extreme, the extreme sports arena, you have to find that or you lose. Like You have to find those or you watch massive upsets happen all the time or you watch guys die because they made a stupid mistake halfway down a slope snowboarding or big wave surfers getting crushed under like wave after wave. And like, it's crazy. Um, and then entrepreneurship is on that same vein where it's like, if you're, if you're starting the company, if you're working through all these problems, all these just crazy chaotic problems that are happening all the time, like you're just fully engaged in the moment. Like, when you're operating on someone else's schedule, you're not. And so those moments happen, but they're fleeting. When you're, when it's life or death, they happen and they're there all the time because if they're not, you lose and you die or you end up on the street or whatever it is. Um, I kind of took that on a tangent. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> uh, that was a good tangent. That was a really good tangent. So what are the, some of the, uh, the misconceptions that people get about combat sports that you could probably debunk you may use you're very into them obviously so some of the biggest misconceptions that you hear a lot that you can kind of put to rest or maybe even confirm for some people who haven't had the opportunity to get into any of these combat sports yeah so before we before we go down this path disclaimer i was getting ready for a muay thai fight last year when i got kicked in the head and knocked out um my goal was to take the muay thai fight last march March of 2019, and then hopefully get in the MMA cage by the end of last year. That got put on hold after the concussion because I realized that if I get another concussion, I can't use, I need my head. I need to be present so I can actually run this company and get it off the ground. Um, so this is someone, this is coming from someone with a strike with four years of jujitsu and probably two years of Muay Thai at best, maybe a little bit less. It's been the same timeline, maybe four years total of Muay Thai, but it's been spotty here and there. 
Um, so mostly grappling and a little bit of striking. But the biggest misconception I see is that people don't fucking understand how deep the rabbit hole goes. I walked off the lacrosse field January of whatever four years ago now was January of 2016 mm-hmm. um, and walked straight on to the jujitsu mats. I quit the team and on Wednesday and I took my first class on Sunday or Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> you wasted like, no time. No. Oh, and part of that was that I made a deal with myself because everyone, everyone who quit the lacrosse team, most people quit because it was too much work. Cause I mean, I was putting in 20 hours plus a week into that team, man. We were practicing like, our off season schedule was practice four days a week, lifting three mornings a week. And then an occasional Saturday too. Like we were, our off season schedule was hard. Our in season schedule was insane. Six, seven, eight times a week on the field, you know, like ridiculous for three, four months. Um, so most people quit because it was like, oh man, I couldn't do it. I had engineering school or I had business school or whatever. And it's like, dude, I did it for two years with engineering school and an architecture minor. Like I was pushing the fucking envelope, but I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I walked off the field and into the, on the, into the jujitsu gym. And I was just like, I need to prove to myself that I didn't quit because this was too hard. I didn't quit that it was too much work. So I did the same thing with jujitsu. Like for that first semester, I made a deal with myself that I would put as much time in on the mats as I did on the field. And I did, and it was insane and it sucked, but it was good for me. So misconceptions though. Um, the big one is that you just don't, you don't know how bad you are at fighting. Like most people have absolutely no fucking idea how to fight and they have absolutely no fucking idea that they have absolutely no fucking idea. Like I walked in there great physical condition, strong as hell, athletic as hell. And I got the living shit beat out of me by a dude who looked like he played D and D in his parents' basement. Like, <laughs> he beat the Don't living, sleep on the D and D guys. Dude, he beat the living piss out of me. Like this, this quiet kind of nerdy guy. Right. And like, he's a super cool dude. Not giving him enough credit. Like really, really personable guy. Really awesome guy. Like, I'm proud that I can call him a friend. He's going to um, listen to this episode and kick your ass again because you called him a nerdy <laughs> D&D guy. <laughs> no, he'd probably laugh. Um, but no, so my point, my point is though, like I walked in cocky, man. I walked in like, I'm good. I'm like, I'm obviously not going to just run in and like beat these guys, but like, I'll be okay. I was not okay. I was not even close to okay. And it's kind of like, it's, it's seeing, it's seeing the fabric that you didn't see before. Right. Like you're seeing the behind the scenes things like, Oh shit. Like I almost got sick to my stomach. It was like, man, if I had gotten into a fight with the wrong person in the last 21 years or 20, I was 20 in the last 20 years of my life, like I could have easily been killed. I could have easily been knocked out or broken or hurt, whatever. Um, That's the biggest one is that you don't know how to fight. The second biggest one is just how easy it is to get knocked out. Man, it is so easy. Take, especially in MMA, like in boxing, it's one thing. But man, if you know, if someone knows how to kick and they kick you in the head, you're done, man. Like it's, like if you've never been hit with a baseball bat in the head, you don't know how it feels until you get hit with a baseball bat in the head. And when you get kicked by someone who knows how to kick, it's like getting hit with a baseball bat in the head. 
right? And that baseball bat is attached to an extra four feet of leverage, right? So it's, it's very, very, very humbling. See, that's what I was going to lead into. You know, you just got done telling me you did all these extreme things. I mean, you went to college uh, for engineering. You had an, you have an engineering degree, right? Yeah. Right. You have an engineering degree. You're killing it in lacrosse. And then you turn around and you walk onto a jujitsu mat and you just get your ass handed to you. Now, a lot of people would immediately go, okay, fuck this. I'm done. But you didn't. And I know you said it was because you had this thing. I'm not going to quit because it's too hard. But what do you think placed you into that mindset? Because, I mean, obviously you were good at lacrosse. Obviously you were good at, you know, everything else that you've been doing. And then so the, this is, from my understanding, you were 20 years old. So this is probably one of the first things you walked into that you were not good at. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah. You know, like everything was a kind of a natural progression of the thing before though, which is kind of cool. Like if I think about it, business felt like a natural progression of fighting. Um, mountaineering felt like a natural progression of Boy Scouts back in the day. Jiu-Jitsu felt like a natural progression of lacrosse in a weird way. Um, until it was wasn't, like, until you walked into the mat and you got your ass kicked. <laughs> well, but, it, you, but you didn't it quit. Was, right. It, it was a natural progression in the sense that lacrosse taught me how to be really good at something. Like it taught me what it takes to be really good. And it takes sacrificing everything. Like at the end of the day, if you want to be the best, you have to lose everything. Um, and I got to the point, I didn't want to sacrifice for lacrosse anymore. That was really it. It was like, for me to do what I want to do with the sport, I have to sacrifice more than I'm willing to sacrifice. It was literally that simple. Um, it was, I, I couldn't, after I left the team, man, I couldn't watch a game, even on TV. I, I couldn't, <laughs> the first time I saw another lacrosse game was a year later when I went to one of my little brothers in high school. And like, that was hard to watch. It hurt, man. It really hurt. Um, but it just, in my gut, it just felt like I needed to, I don't know. Um, but that was an actual progression of soccer, right? Goalie to goalie, whatever. But I think the mentality that kept me going back to jujitsu, even after getting smashed for so long, was that I, like I said, I, I saw the fabric, right? Like I took the red pill. Um, and once you, once you realize, like for me, when I realized that I'm awful at something and I'm awful at something that could be really important, I go back. It's like, if I, if you've never tried, if you've never wrestled or done jujitsu or boxed or done Muay Thai or anything like that. Like if you've never done a combat sport, you don't know what you're, you don't know what you don't know. And that's okay. You're ignorant, right? Like, it's like, yeah, I'm still going to beat your ass if you make me, but like, I don't hold it against you. But like, if you show up to jujitsu or if you show up to boxing or Muay Thai or wrestling and you realize, oh, fuck, like I'm screwed in a fight against anyone who's done any kind of combat training in any way. And then you never go back. You know what you're missing. You'll always know that you don't know how to fight and you'll never do anything about it. It's like, you know what? You don't have ignorance anymore. You're just dumb or a pussy. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think part of that comes, and you know, you you have a pretty big ego when it comes to being good at something. Everybody does. Yeah. Right. But it, it, ego is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. Right. Um, I've obviously had a big ego before, and it's come crashing down on top of my head. But when you have your ego just completely smashed like you did when the first time you walked out on the mat, a lot of people will just shut it down and go, yep, not doing that no more because they can't live with that. Well, I'm not good at something. So I'm just not going to do that and be not good at it because Mm -hmm. they just don't, they don't see the next phase of what's coming. If they keep going, they don't, they don't see, like you said, the fabric that no one else sees. They don't see what happens if you keep pulling that thread. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same way that I felt when I started my company, you know, I was completely terrible at business and I'm not completely terrible at business now. (laughs) We're both still pretty fucking bad, but we're We're better than we were a year ago. We're both still bad, but we're better than we were a year ago. Absolutely. But guys like you and me, we saw where we would be because I started my company a year ago next week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, but last year I saw where I would be a year from there. Was that how it was for you for ground shark? When you first started, you had no idea what you were doing. Um, kind of. So let's back it up a bit to that, like fabric thing. So I think the ego is like you said, it can be a very good and a very bad thing. And I think it kind of gets into have you seen, you've seen the Wolf of Wall Street? I have. You remember that scene where he was like saying some girl's name in his sleep and then it cuts to showing the scene and she's got like a candle stuffed in his butt and she's like totally dominating him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> that kind of phenomenon, right? Where like super successful men wind up with like super dominant women because they dominate everything. They need someone to dominate them. They need a challenge because I don't have a challenge. To me, that challenge is threefold, right? It's entrepreneurship, it's fighting, and it's the mountains. And the reason those three things are so appealing to me is that you can never, you can never dominate to that level. You can never like, yeah, maybe you can be, you maybe you can get super rich, right? Maybe, maybe ground shark takes off tomorrow and everything starts connecting and I do become that dominant business owner. Awesome. Hell yeah. Well, I still haven't figured out how to fucking climb up some crazy mountains, right? I still haven't dealt with 8,000 meter altitude. Like there's another challenge there waiting. Right. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's go figure that out. Right. That's another challenge out there. And that's like, there's enough out there to me in the extreme sports world to keep me occupied the rest of my life and never, never be at the top. It's kind of scary to be at the top. Like, when I look back on the reason I quit lacrosse, like looking back on it now, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because it put me on the track to get me where I am now. But I made it with all the wrong intentions. Like I was, I was fighting for the starting spot my entire time there and being a goalie, if you're not starting, you're not playing. And I was finally like neck. Like I was there. If I had stuck it out for that season, there was a solid chance I would have had an opportunity to take it. And I probably would have taken it. And that little voice in the back of my head, like I listened to it too much. I got that big fucking dose of imposter syndrome and I quit. So I, I, it was one, it's a weird look. It's a weird thing looking back and knowing that you made the right decision, but also knowing you made the right decision for all the wrong reasons. Like 
it's weird. Um, but my point is, it's it's tough it's tough to be at the top, and I think that's why you see that psychological cracking with people who are at the top, where they have or at the top of the mountain. And well, like I think I've people. always heard. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Ben. Oh, you're good. Um, I, I think I've always heard somewhere that success is a stale finale. You know, if you like, for example, you you said you just said there's plenty of mountains out there, and there's plenty of things out there in the extreme sports arena where you'll be occupied for the rest of your life because it's something you can't dominate. I, I'm getting the, the impression that you're that guy that if you ever did make it to the top, you would throw yourself violently off the other side down to the bottom because there would be nothing left. You're totally right. You're 110% right. And that's what I did with you with lacrosse. I just did it a year and a half too early. Right? Like, when I, when I was like, when I graduated, my lacrosse career was going to be over either way. And I could have started jujitsu then, you know? Uh, but I decided to turn around 200 feet from the summit, and go do something else, you know, which whatever, I don't regret the decision. I just should have thought about it more or, you know, should have done it differently in retrospect, but that's okay. Um, but you're totally right. Like I get to the top of something and I'm like, cool, what's next? Like, so when we won the national championship, I was a redshirt on the team. So my next goal was easy. Get the fucking spot. Right. But like after we won the first, when the clock struck zero, it was a one goal game and they had the ball to end the game. Like it was close. Um, we, it was by no means a sure bet until the very end of the game and probably the last four or five seconds. But when that timer went off and all of that stress and pent up energy, like got released, like that was one of those few moments in my life where all I remember is pure joy. That's it. It validated everything. It was like, I went to the right school. I, I made the right choice to leave home. Like I made the right choice to play here. I made all the, all the choices I've made up until that moment were correct because it got me to that moment. And it was, it was so unbelievably cool. It was such a high. And about 30 seconds later was the biggest void I've ever experienced in my life. It was like, oh, fuck, what now? Like my whole six years of lacrosse before this or four years, five years, whatever it was, like my whole life since from the first moment I stepped on the lacrosse field, I knew I wanted to play at the highest level I could. Um, and there I was, right? Yeah. And it was so, like, that was all consuming my entire high school career, man. I didn't go to parties. Like, I, I mean, I did occasionally, but like I was never a partier because I would stay at home Friday night watching game film. I'd go to practice early. I'd leave practice late. I'd go lift. I'd go, I'd go straight from a game to the gym and I'd get a lift in. Like I was always working, man. And then by the time I got to college, it was like, dude, we're practicing seven days a week and I'm there early an hour early with a bucket half, like literally a five gallon bucket halfway across the field. And I'm trying to lob lacrosse balls into it to work on my passing, like for hours. And then over the summer lifting with Michael with my strength coach four days a week, conditioning an extra two playing on men's leagues. Like, dude, my whole life was that sport. And then we won. And I was like, well, what do you do now? What the fuck is next? And like, that's something people don't talk about enough with success. Like I was not prepared for that. And I don't think most people are when they get to that moment where you get to the summit 
And even if it's not the highest summit, there's a couple minutes there where you're like, what the fuck is next? Like you're just empty because you're so enraptured with this goal. And you could tell yourself all oh, you want, the process, the process, the process. And I believe that to the deepest part of my soul that the process is the key. Um, but you still have those goals, man. And when you get to them, it's like, cool. Like I just summited Everest. What the fuck is next? Right? Like, and if that's all you have, you're going to, you're going to like fall into despair there for a while. If you don't have another thing you can find. And then, so someone I have an immense amount of respect for Reinhold Mesner, he got his name because he was the first one to summit all 14, 8,000 meter peaks. I think he did them all without oxygen, which is insane. He did it in like the seventies. I think, I don't remember. Uh, but he's still alive today. And if you look at photos of him, you can see in his eyes that he just has this like lust for life that most people don't have. Um, and like, he's, he's directing movies now. Cause he's like, I don't have the body to go climb mountains anymore. I lost that decades ago. So now he's involved in German politics. Cause he's German. Um, I think he's German, but he's involved in politics. He's making movies. He's like, moving into a more mental and artistic role. And I think that's really cool. And I totally see myself doing that in 20, 30 years, right? It's like, okay, get the company sorted. So I have the money to go climb the mountains, go climb the mountains, go train and compete at the highest level jujitsu I can. And then eventually my body's going to tell me to fucking chill. And when that happens, cool. Now I'm going to sit in my room. I'm going to write some books. I'm going to direct some movies. Like I'm going to do some cool artistic stuff because I, I, I'm such a doer. Right. And it's like, I can't do it physically my whole life, but while I can, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know? Yeah, I totally get it. So we're coming up on the hour mark here. Are we really? Jesus. Yeah, man. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Nick and I are business partners <laughs> as well. <laughs> we're, and, yeah. And, well, we're, am, kind of, whatever. But at the same time, we talk a lot, but there's something that, I think has kind of been put on this episode that may be unintentional. Some people may listen to this and they may think, why should I even try to get to the top? If when I get there, I'm going to feel empty. If there's not something else, if I've aspired and put everything I have into this one summit, why should I even bother doing it? So for those people listening, what would you tell them? Dude, and that's, that's like the coolest part. When you get to the top, you now know how to get to the top, right? Like you understand it. You get it. Like I never, I wasn't the starting goalie when we won, right? So I still got more to learn, obviously. We all have still have more to learn. But I was, a mem- I was part of a team that got to the top. And when you see it from the inside, when you, fr- when you experience what it feels like to win, how perfect things have to go. Like when we won, it was a 13 to 12 game. And we beat Arizona State, who was on their 22nd game of the season, and they were 21-0 going into that game. They had beaten us earlier in the year. And we ruined their perfect season, and it felt so fucking good. Because we had lost twice early in the year. And, but, like, it doesn't matter because in that moment, everything worked. Um, but once you get to the top, you understand. You can – You can visualize yourself at the top of the next peak when you summit the first one. The first one's hard. First one's hard as hell because it's hard to even imagine yourself being at the top. But once you're at the top, you can see it. You're like, okay, it took me seven years to get to the top of the lacrosse game. 
I wonder how many years it takes me to get to the top of the jujitsu game. I wonder how many years it takes me to get to the top of the business game, right? Like you see it and you're like, okay, I know what it takes for me to get to the top. Now, when I got to the top of that summit, like I said, there was like a pit in my stomach of like, what comes next? Obviously I found the answer, right? Like I wouldn't be here talking to you if I hadn't, if I hadn't found the answer, I'd be drinking my sorrows away, still working at my construction job. Um, and that answer is always the next mountain. You're like, in a weird way, you're running from your demons. You're running from that feeling of void towards that next feeling of void, right? Like, it's a, it's a weird thing to describe, but it's so, it's so intrinsic to success where you're always chasing that next level. You're always hunting that next mountain and you're always working. And at the end of the day, though, the reason for it all, like the overarching reason for all of this is internal. It's not external. It's like, yeah, I want to be at the top. Yeah, I want to win. Like, I want to win a world championship in jujitsu. Like, I want to go to worlds and I want to fucking win. And I want to, that's so ingrained that like, I want to be the best. I want to summit Everest, right? I want to start a $7 million or a million dollar business from the ground. Uh, I want to do these things. Um, knowing full well that after I do that thing, I'm just going to be looking for something else. But the point is the act of doing it is making me who I am and it's making me a better version of me. And it's making, it's giving me a life worth talking about. You know, it's, it's giving me shit that like I can look at and be like, I can't believe I did that. Right. Like that was really cool. And beyond that, I'm doing it with people I care a lot about, you know, like I'm, I've got a couple climbing partners that I love, man. Like those dudes are awesome. And we're always up in the mountains, right? My business partner is my best friend, you know, like, but we, we, I wouldn't be so close to those people if I wasn't striving for something greater with them. So at the end of the day, it's not about getting to the top. It's about the climb. The climb is so much more important than the summit. I like that. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of get bogged down and, you know, they're, they're trying so hard to get to the top. And like you said earlier, you know, they have no idea if they make it to the top, they got no idea what to do next. Cause they're never, they don't fully see that they're going to make it to that top. They're not, yeah. they don't see that yes. they're going to summit. And then when they get there, they, they just kind of go into shock yeah. and they kind of shut down going, okay, I fucking did it. I'm here. Oh but it's my hard God, to I'm even done. accept that you did it. It almost feels like someone else did it. Right. And then you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, I'm done. But if you just said, okay, I'm done. Hell, you were 20 years old. <laughs> you know, you got I'm at not least gonna another. Fucking, I'm not going to peak at 20. That's so fucking boring. That is so right. lame. Right. And you got another 65, 75 years left of life, you know, and yeah. you, you actively sought out that next mountain to climb. And exactly. like you said, you can net and you, you said you could never fully dominate the mountain. No. And that's because the mountain is gonna be the one that dominates you. It's but just, dude, I think I've always I've always thought of it this way with mountains and with ocean. Like the guys who are super into sailing feel the same way about the ocean as the guys who are super into climbing feel about the mountains. Like you don't conquer the mountain. Like we named the podcast Taming the Mountains, which I think is like apt, but also totally wrong. Cause like you don't, you, you can't, you can't tame the ocean. You can't tame the mountain. The ocean allows you to cross it. The ocean allows you to sail 
from one point to another. The mountain allows you up. That's the cool, like climbing expeditions, you're waiting for good weather. Snowboard expeditions, you're waiting for a storm. You're waiting. You're waiting for the mountain to be like, okay, now it's your turn. And you better fucking move because you don't know when your turn's going to end. Like, you don't tame that fucking mountain. The mountain lets you up it. It's the same thing with success. It's the same thing with business. It's the same thing with the market, right? Like if you're trying to sell a product, you don't tell the product, you don't tell the market what to buy. The market tells you what to sell, right? And it's, it's a, it's a weird kind of dichotomy because we look at mountaineers, we look at sailors, we look at fighters, we look at business owners as being these dominant individuals and in a way they are, but at the same time, like, they're not really at the end of the day, dominating anything. They're just listening and they're react. They're responding. They're not reacting. They're responding to the cues of the mountains, the ocean, the other fighter, the, uh, the market, whatever it is. I like that. So, you know, yeah, we did name this podcast episode, taming the mountains. And I think, like you said, the goal is the climb. I think the goal is to try to tame the mountains. Knowing full well, you never will. Yeah. Knowing full well, you never will. Your personal mountains, the mountains you have to overcome within yourself. You have to try to tame those because you're never fully going to defeat yourself because you're always going to be you. Yeah. But the more you try to tame it, the more you grow. And I think for a 24 year old, you've done a whole lot of taming in your life, man. And like to think we so. are right here to do, <laughs> of course, man, but we're right here at the hour mark. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and real quick, before we get to that, explain to everyone what ground shark means, because that's a very weird name for a coffee company. I know, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> well, yeah. So actually I have, I kind of glossed over the company as a whole ground shark coffee. We roast all of our coffee here in Denver. We import a lot of it from Brazil, some scattered around the world. Um, the name comes from an old jujitsu saying. I forget who said it. One of the guys who started the art or one of the older, I don't know. He said, the ground is my art. Or no. The ground is my ocean. I am the shark. And most people don't even know how to swim. And it's incredibly apt for jujitsu. If I'm... <laughs> If I get into some kind of weird grappling match with anyone on the street, if they've never trained, they're a non-issue. So it's pretty close. So where to find me? Like shark in the ocean. Dude, yeah. And you can't swim. (laughs) Um, Where to find me? I'm on Twitter, at Nick Lowry. I'm on Instagram, and that's L-O-W-A-R-Y. I'm on Instagram, at Nick Lowry 39. You can find the company at Ground Shark Coffee Co. on Instagram, at Ground Shark CC on Twitter, and at GroundSharkCoffee.com. That's about it. It's great, man. And I'll go ahead and say from experience, I love Ground Shark Coffee. The Johnny (laughs) Mad Cup blend is the best blend on the planet. And you know what? We're almost out of it. It's going away soon. Hopefully sooner gonna have than to, later. I'm going to have to order some before this episode comes out so no one else can get any. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Nick, thanks for having I me I really on, appreciate dude. you. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I said, a lot of people already know you, but for everything that you've done in your 24 years of life, I know there's plenty more times that you're going to have to retell this story, and it's just going to be added on to what you've done Hope after. So. Yeah. 
there's no way you're, you're done right now, man. And I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud to know you. I'm glad to call you a friend. And I Thanks, appreciate dude. you coming well. on. All right, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah. And for everybody listening, this has been the first ever episode of Ooh. the Rugged Legacy Podcast. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you will find a link below in the show notes where you will also find all of the links and uh, at information for my very first guest and good friend, Nick Lowry. Thank you all for listening. Have a good day. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.